and welcome to the Luke Miller Podcast. I'm glad that you're able to join me today. On this week's episode, we're taking a look at the values by which a disciple should live by. We see it so much in our culture as what is good values, what are ethical values, what are moral values, and we're going to take a look at what are biblical values and how Jesus calls us to live by those biblical values as disciples. We're in Luke chapter 9 again this week, so if you grab your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 9, and let's dive in. So much about what we have been talking about revolves around a simple question of what does Jesus expect of his followers? Uh, more so, what what are we supposed to do? It's asked in and out of, of the Gospels uh, in all sorts of different areas. And, and I can't stress enough, as we spend a whole bunch of time in Luke chapter 9, where Jesus really dives into this idea of what it means to be a disciple, we find ourselves in a place where the disciples of Jesus are constantly asking People around Jesus are constantly asking. The crowds and people who don't know Jesus are asking, what does it mean to be a disciple? And and where I want to find ourselves today is a few questions. You know, for example, how many times are the words Christian or Christians found in the New Testament? And really, the answer is only three. We only see it in Acts chapter 11, Acts chapter 26, and 1 Peter chapter 4. However, If we ask another question of how many times the word disciple or disciples are found in the New Testament, we have almost 300. And that's why we want to focus on that word today of of what it means to be a disciple. Every true Christian is a disciple of Jesus Christ, period. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch in Acts chapter 11, verse 26. Disciple itself was the original name for all those who accepted Jesus as the Christ, not just the 12. Christian was a name that was invented by non-believers in Acts chapter 11. And believers actually didn't start calling themselves Christians until around the second century. Uh, I know this is all fun facts that will make you wildly popular at whatever dinner party you go to as you drop these fun facts. Uh, But it's important for us to note this because, again, we see how Jesus defined his followers, and then we see how non-believers defined the followers. And so we see that Christian was actually not uh, associated with with them until after Jesus was gone. Um, The two other occurrences... Of, of Christian in the New Testament also suggests that it was non-believers who popularized the name. Uh, then Paul, then Agrippa said to Paul, do you think that, that in such a short time you can persuade me to become a Christian? In Acts chapter 26, verse 28. And, and here you have a non-believer using this term, uh, as, uh, again, to describe a, a follower of Jesus. Uh, and even further in 1 Peter chapter 4.16, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear uh, that you bear my name or bear that name. Uh, and so it almost gives a sound that in, in first century, it was almost derogatory. Christian means Christ follower. And the people of Antioch may have said, look at these those strange people who followed that man, Jesus. Wasn't he crucified? And they still believe he is the Christ? That's ridiculous. Let's call them Christians, you know, uh, and, and there's not much of a, 
uh, a stretch to, to think of that. The earliest recorded use of Christian outside the New Testament uh, was by Tacitus uh, when he wrote that Nero blamed the Christians for the great fire of Rome in 64 AD. And, and Nero had picked the Christians as a scapegoat because they were an easy target. And so I hope even just describing this a bit, it gives us a better understanding of, of the terminology that we use, even to this day. Uh, and and again, a, a disciple's primary duty is to imitate Jesus. All right? Uh, and and for, for people who do not believe, for a world that does not believe, it's so easy for, in many ways, they will say, okay, there is a person who follows Jesus Christ. They are a Christian. However, for us as Christ followers, uh, that definition of disciple and that role of disciple is saying it's our primary duty to imitate Jesus. It's not a title. It's not someone who just follows. For us, it is, well, primarily imitating Jesus. A student or a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. In Luke chapter 6, verse 40, it says that Jesus didn't tell his disciples, do as I say, not as I do. He said, do as I do, be like me. Let's play follow the leader. Whatever I do, you copy. That's why you have Jesus teaching a lesson. And then he goes out and you see him preaching. And then you see his disciples being sent out to the neighboring towns where they get to then practice it. And, and so I think uh, it's important for us to understand what it means to imitate Jesus, what it means to follow the leader. Uh, someone has said, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians. This is a quote that I had picked up, uh, who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. And you may not totally agree, agree with that statement, but you can't deny that there is hypocrisy in our world of professing Christians, um, yet not living out their faith. Uh, and, and Jesus asks in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, why do you call me, call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? And so Jesus actually takes this very seriously, even when he's looking at followers and looking at people who want to follow Jesus. But I think it's important for us to understand how us following Jesus impacts the ministry of Jesus and, and God's mission for us. A survey was done, oh, now it was about six or seven years ago, and, and I don't think the numbers have gotten any better when I say this, but they, uh, the Pew Report asked, did a survey and asked people what they thought of Christians. And, and the number one thing was hypocrisy. Uh, if the number one negative term was hypocrisy or a better than thou. Uh, and so either thinking they're better than everyone else or saying they do one thing, but actually don't do it uh, and do the opposite. It's funny because in the book of Isaiah, we see Isaiah and God deliver the message to the people of Israel that what they're doing and what people are seeing of them as the people of Israel, so much of their actions are hypocritical and thinking that they're better than thou. In fact, the top six in the Pew Report for what people viewed Christians as was actually the same six that God 
came to the people of Israel with in Isaiah, in the woe to you, Israel. And and so following Jesus is obviously an important thing that we're trying to really understand. Uh, And a disciple is totally committed to doing God's will. And Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, verse 22, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. In Luke chapter 22, 42, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but your your will be done. And and then in, in Luke chapter 9, 23, which we spent so much time on, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. And in it, we see that A, we're supposed to mimic Jesus, but B, a, a disciple is totally committed to doing God's will because Jesus himself was totally committed to doing his father's will. And, and I love that passage in Luke chapter 9, 40, or Luke chapter 22, verse 42, where he cries out, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done. So even though I've got my own personal preferences, Jesus says, I would rather not die, but I will do what you call me to do. And I love that because this is Jesus actually vocalizing the mission of God. Is is This is what he's been called to do, and he recognizes this. Uh, and and when we look at, at this and this word to follow, in the original Greek, is in the present tense. Jesus was saying, keep on following me. It's not just saying, I follow up now. I'm following you now, or I've decided to follow you. It is keep on following me. Make that daily commitment that you will be following me. And and we've talked so much about what it means to take up our cross. Uh, and, and I came across a quote that says, we minimize the force of this with sayings like, we all have our cross to bear. Uh, Jesus was not talking about minor discomforts. Those who heard him utter these words knew what taking up their cross meant. They knew that it was a prelude to a person's crucifixion. Jesus was speaking about a, a death to a whole way of life. He was talking about the utmost in self-sacrifice, a very death to selfishness and, and all forms of self-seeking. Now, To take up your cross, yeah, means to be committed to doing God's will so that you are willing to die for him. And for the first disciples, that was something that we see lived out. Acts tells us that believers were arrested and imprisoned in Acts chapter 8. Stephen was stoned to death. James was beheaded. Uh, It was the apostles were were constantly put in prison or experienced flogging uh, and, and all sorts of torture for the sake of the gospel. Now this, I want to say, is countercultural for us because we expect that we should have freedom. This is you know, fundamental to, to who we are and, and what the, the Constitution says and, and what the, uh, all of our, our freedoms and all of our rights that are described in the different amendments. And, and we see this up in Canada, that yes, there's freedom of religion, and when things don't go our way, then all of a sudden, you know, we're ready to start this uprising. And and I think what we see with Jesus here is saying that, listen, 
things aren't going to go your way. The moment you realize that things aren't going to go your way, then you're actually probably going to have a more effective ministry. When Because the message of Jesus is one that is controversial. You know, it is one that that pierces the soul right in the very beginning of the Gospels. In Luke, it says with the prophecy of, of Simeon that, that Jesus will be the rise and the fall of many because people will hear his message and love it and people will hear his message and absolutely despise it. And so we realize that, that yes, the gospel message is countercultural to where we live right now. And, and I keep on saying this, that the more we recognize that it, that it is controversial to the culture where we live today and countercultural to what the world is saying, where we say there's an absolute truth and they say that it's all relative based on what you really want to believe. The sooner we recognize that there will be pushback is the sooner that we, I think, have a more effective ministry because we really don't see anyone in the Bible who was just having an easy go of it. Right? You never really see any of the disciples going to different places and saying, you know, that, that was just easy. Once in a while, you'll see that they go to a place and and they people hear the message and and you and and Christians are are, I guess, disciples are are growing in number. But for the most part, you see that there is a constant pushback in their culture. There's a constant pushback in our culture, and there will always be a constant pushback in our culture, which is our job in and of itself as we are called to be living out in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our workplaces, in our towns, and in our cities. This is is the mission of God, to change that. So to, to be making more disciples, to go and preach to Jerusalem, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth. The more people are, the more that people are won over to the gospel, the less pushback that there, there is. And, and we do this by understanding that a disciple lives by a different set of values. We see, uh, throughout scripture that, that compassion is something that Jesus showed. Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man covered in leprosy, something that was absolutely abnormal in Luke chapter five, verse 12. And in Luke chapter 7, it says, when the Lord saw her, he his heart went out to her and he said, don't cry. We then see it multiple times. Tax collectors and sinners are all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Who is this guy? Jesus offended the Pharisees because he showed compassion to the outcasts of Jewish society, right? The lepers, the tax collectors, the sinners. What if Jesus had come to our generation? What if he had had befriended the the drug dealers and and the prostitutes and and those on the fringe of society? Would we not be offended by him? Is kind of this question that we have to ask ourselves. Is again, if we're called to imitate Jesus, then there has to be this compassion that is shown. The other thing is service. Uh, we we read in Luke chapter two that a dispute arose among the disciples as to which was considered the greatest. And and Jesus responds by saying, uh, you know, the greatest among you should become the youngest and the one who rules like the one who serves. Jesus calls 
the disciples to a life of service. Likewise, he calls them to a life of forgiveness. Even on Luke chapter 23, as, as Jesus is nearing the end of his ministry, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Forgive us our sins, for we forgive everyone who sins against us in the Lord's Prayer. If, you, if, if your brother sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, you forgive him, is what it says in Luke chapter 17. Yet, yet again, these values of compassion and service and forgiveness are not easy values for us to extol on people in our life who do not share those same values. And, and again, a disciple should not expect a, an easy journey in this. We see large crowds traveling with Jesus, and, and they turn to him and said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, his mother, his wife, his children, his brothers, or his sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And I think this is one of the largest mountains that we need to climb. Not only the values that we show, and, and again, focusing on compassion and service and forgiveness for those around us, even when they don't deserve it. Because we know that that is imitating Jesus. But that highest mountain that we really have to climb is that knowing it's not going to be an easy journey. Knowing that, one, Satan is out around every corner to cause us to stumble. And and two, realizing that we will face persecution. It is a guarantee. In fact, it is one of the promises that God tells us. But we do not usually want to accept that promise. We love the promise of eternal life. Uh, and, and we love all the promises of God being with us. But that promise of persecution? Oh, I, I don't want to choose that promise. Can I choose one of the other ones, God? And, and so... When it works with God's promises, we don't get to pick and choose. Persecution comes with it. And so I think really the prayer for us as we as we move through towards the end of our bold series as disciples is a prayer of saying, God, I know it's going to be difficult. God, help me through it. God, I know my freedom freedoms are going to be tested. I know my morals are going to be tested. I know different ethical situations are going to come up that are going to test my role as a Christ follower and as a disciple. So God, I am aware it's going to be a a tougher journey, yet I am ready to do anything because, to quote Jesus, not your will, not my will, but yours be done. And there's that prayer. Uh, Again, walking out the door whenever we find ourselves in that difficult situation, kind of uttering in the back of our minds, not my will, God, but yours be done in this situation, whatever whatever that looks like. And, and the further we dive into this, the, the, the more difficult it becomes. But, but again, I, I think this is a good place for us to leave today because so much of, of what I'm sure most of us find frustrating is this pushback against freedom that we believe we should have. Yet the only true freedom that we need is our freedom in Christ. Uh, And so going forward, yes, our freedom will be tested. Our morals will be tested. Uh, We'll be tested in ethical situations. We'll be tested in all sorts of different ways. It is not going to be an easier journey, but it's good to know that it wasn't an easy journey for Christ. It wasn't an easy journey for the disciples. It wasn't an easy journey for those first and second century Christians. And 
for the generations that followed. And it will not be an easy journey for us. But that does not take us away from the mission. In fact, if anything, it gets us more focused on the mission. For all you sports fans out there, you know that feeling of of coming in as the underdog. You've got that extra motivation to take down uh, the team that is better because they feel like they are better. They they know that they're better. And, and there's this motivation that you have when you go into a match. Well, in a sense, that's where we are today is we know we're going to f- per- get face persecution. We know that there's going to be a tough time, but we've got that motivation that there is something greater, that God... That as we face that persecution, we are on mission with God and that nothing is going to stop his mission. I'm going to leave it at there for today. Uh, I hope you're enjoying this series as we continue through this. And believe it or not, we're not going to be in Luke chapter 9 next week. And so I don't, not to give away too many spoiler alerts, after spending three weeks in Luke chapter 9 verse 23, I'm really looking forward to, to looking out and seeing some other passages where we again look at what it means for us to live a bold life. So this week, pray that God help you in a journey that is not going to be easy. Pray that God help you as your values are tested. Pray that God give you guidance so you can show that compassion, that you can show that forgiveness, that you can show that service in your life. And watch your ministry uh, thrive. And more importantly, watch God's ministry thrive through you as you join him. Take care, have a great week, and I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for joining us on the Luke Miller Podcast, part of Sunrise Digital Ministries at Sunrise Community Church in Fair Oaks, California. If you're wanting to know more about our digital ministries, you can download our app at the Google Play Store or the Apple Store, where you'll find Backshed Bible Study, Sunday Sermons, and the Luke Miller Podcast. If you've got questions about who Jesus is or what it means to be a Christ follower, we would love to connect with you. And you can send us a note at www.sunrise.church/welcome and we'll get you connected. Thanks again for joining us. Take care.